Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. Dear Christian friends, I think it would be kind of a, a fun experiment to take two different couples who have been married a short time and married a, a long time and ask them some questions to see what each of the spouses in each of those cases, scenarios, has actually learned over the long run. To see if those who have been married longer have learned more about each other. I don't know that there would necessarily be an exact correlation to assume that the longer two people are married, the more they learn about each other, because knowledge in a marriage is one thing, and, and learning is a different thing. So those who have been married 50 years may be just as likely to say as the newlyweds, newlyweds uh, she might complain that he still leaves the toilet seat up. And he might complain that she still makes that for dinner, even though he has made it clear over the past decades that, that he loathes it and can't stand it. And it's not just the marriage relationship, the difference between knowing something and, and actually learning something. I suppose as parents with kids, that relationship between what the children learn and what the parents learn, if you've been that parent who's in the position of having to help your fourth grader with homework and you're helping with a relatively basic question on grammar, and yet the puzzled look on your face makes it appear as if you're studying some complex chemical reaction and, and all of these things that you remember in college you learned but didn't actually learn at all. There's, there's a difference between simply knowing something and actually learning it, isn't there? And, and I suppose if you're anything like me, uh, as I, I shared with the children of the children's message, you could look back on your education and you'd have to acknowledge that an awful lot was taught, perhaps not as much was learned. And you look back and you reflect on those professors who taught for hours and hours and hours, and you have to confess that the only reason you even showed up at the class was the attractive student that you hoped to see, and you didn't actually walk away with a whole lot of learning. Now, it's true in the, the secular world. I wonder if we're also willing to acknowledge that in terms of the education that, that really matters most. Because the reality is, as much as we will spend thousands of dollars on a secular education that may, that might have an impact at some point on our net worth or our income, the education that matters absolutely will have an impact on our eternal outcome. But are we willing to acknowledge the difference? And, and I suppose the other question is not just know that there's a difference, but do anything about it. So again, it's, it's one thing to acknowledge that. The, the question is, are we going to be willing to say that maybe if I am at a, at a place where I have been a little too content with knowledge of the Scriptures, but haven't actually learned a whole lot, then maybe it's time to grow. And, and if you're not interested or you're not willing to acknowledge even that possibility to be open to it, then I guess this would be the point where I would invite you to pull out your worship folders and start doodling. Or if you need to hit the restroom a couple times during the message or go outside and meander, do whatever you got to do. But for those who are, are here to learn, 
then let's get at it because that's what faith over fear does. It, it learns. It's not content simply to know, but to learn. I think that difference can perhaps be illustrated as we reflect on all of the past themes that we have hit on already in this series. A faith that obeys, a faith that sees, a faith that follows, a faith that loves, and then a faith that learns. The previous four that we've all looked at, wouldn't you agree with me that, that we can really get at a number of those without ever really learning much at all? After all, I can tell you that as a Christian, going to church on a Sunday is a good thing to do. And you can obey that, can't you? Somebody gives you that information, tells you this is what's expected of Christians, go to church on Sunday, among other things. And you can comply, you can obey. I can tell you that there's a difference, as we mentioned in the first lesson, uh, the series, the, the, the lesson where we focused on the difference between seeing with these eyes and seeing with the eyes of faith. I can point out to you that difference, and, and you can know that, but that's not the same as actually applying it and, and focusing more in your life with not these eyes, but your eyes of faith. And, and we talked about a, a faith that follows. I can tell you that, that a faith that follows Jesus looks like this and this and this, and you can comply because that's mere knowledge. You can say, I know what it means to, to follow. And even love, though that one might be a little more of a stretch, when we talked about last week, love expressing itself through friendships. Love can kind of give the impression of those friendships without really getting below the, the surface and merely appearing that way. So the question, the bigger question is not just being aware of the distinction between uh, faith that, that knows a lot from the Bible, but a faith that, that learns, which is actually willing to, to apply that knowledge, because that's what faith over fear does. And as we pay attention to Jesus' words from the gospel this morning, we see that Jesus kind of takes us on that, that journey. He, he gives us some guidance as we seek to distinguish between what does it mean just to know some things and actually for learning to take place. And the first thing that, that Jesus said uh, as he was dealing with his disciples, I suppose we should touch on that, he was dealing with his what? His disciples. Do you remember what that word means? I would imagine that we'd all say that we're disciples, not the original 12, not those followers of Jesus. But what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is one who learns. So if we are disciples, it's a bit of a misnomer if, if we call ourselves that, but are merely content to know facts and truths and data from the Bible without actually ever learning anything. So to help us learn, if we're willing... Let's listen to what Jesus said to his disciples, his learners. He said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And in contrast to that, he says, whoever does not love me will not obey my teaching. Seems pretty straightforward. Jesus touches on that correlation, the connection between obedience and love. And I suppose we can recognize and acknowledge that there is a difference between the two, isn't there? You think back to uh, the, the parable of the two sons. The older son was obedient, but I don't think that he combined that obedience with love, did he? 
In fact, he was just obedient. He didn't know the why behind his obedience. It wasn't connected with love. It was mere knowledge. He knew what was the right way for a son to behave. But it wasn't because he loved his father. It was because obedience was just the right thing to do. And it's very clear that Jesus was using that example to to speak to and to convict the Pharisees of his day, which also ought to convict the Pharisees of our day, who are convinced that, that God is most concerned about our outward actions and obedience, that he will be thrilled, he will be delighted, so long as I am church and I read my Bible once in a while and I do the things that Christians should do, instead of seeing that Jesus said, obedience and love go together. To kind of highlight this point, would you agree with me that it's true that the person, while the person who, who loves God, who loves Jesus, will obey Jesus, but it's not necessarily true that the person who obeys Jesus loves Jesus. I'll say that again. While it's always true that the person who loves Jesus will obey Jesus, it's not always true that the person who obeys Jesus does it because he loves Jesus. And I think that's at least part of the difference, the distinction between a knowledge that this is what Jesus wants, so I will obey, and the love that that springs from the love that he first has for us. So an obedience that springs from my response to his love, that, that is driven by, that is compelled by his love for me. That is the kind of love and obedience, the connection that Jesus is talking about. And if we have just a knowledge that never applies that, that never learns it, then we'll just be going through our lives obediently without combining it with the love that really is what God is after. Jesus continues uh, to help us kind of understand the distinction between knowledge and learning as he points out and promises what would come after his departure. He says in verse 26, the counselor or the advocate in the, the newer NIV, if we can still call it new, the counselor or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, would come, would teach, and would remind the disciples, the learners, of everything that Jesus had said. Did the Holy Spirit do his work? Yes, on Pentecost, and, and really any time since, wherever his word is at work. The Holy Spirit has taught, and the Holy Spirit has reminded. But, dear friends, that is not the same as learning. Just as I referred earlier to that professor, that class that you could have gone to uh, for a whole semester or longer and listened to hours upon hours upon hours of what? Of teaching and reminding you, and yet you got through that class without learning a thing. So what is the, the difference here between what the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor does? Not only is he the, the teacher, He also serves the role of the one who's actually going to cement these truths into our hearts, isn't he? And and if he doesn't, or if we rather don't allow him the opportunity to do that through his word and through his sacraments, then we're just being taught and not ever really learning. And just being taught may very well mean that your head is filled with, with knowledge that really doesn't do anybody any good. Here's the truth. Nobody really cares how much you know 
if you don't apply that knowledge, which is learning. Nobody else is served by how much you know if you don't apply that knowledge and learning to serve others. It's rather like that drawer. Perhaps you have one in your own home. The, the drawer that is where we shove all of the coupons and then only later when we clean it out we realize they're all expired. A lot of good expired coupons do for you, right? A lot of good ahead filled with this knowledge does if never applied. Or it might be like the, the four years that you spent who knows how much money, shudder to think, on college, on, on an education like that, to get a certain degree that you never even ended up using. A lot of knowledge, but what do you really have to show for it? What have you really learned if that knowledge isn't applied? See, that's what faith does. It's not content with, with mere knowledge and understanding. It wants to learn. It wants to apply that knowledge. Why? Why does this matter at, at all? Why, why aren't we happy? Why aren't we content with a mere knowledge? Jesus kind of got to the point, didn't he, as far as what this was all about, why it mattered that we combine obedience with love, why it matters that the Holy Spirit not only teaches us and reminds us, but that we also allow him to help us learn those things. Jesus got at it in the last verse of our text this morning. He said in verse 29, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. That is the goal of learning. So that you will believe. But this isn't where the amen comes. Not just yet. Because we have to understand exactly what we're talking about when we say believe in Jesus. Exactly what does believe mean? mean? Does it mean that, that I believe that Jesus is my Savior from sin? Does it mean that I believe that, that heaven is my home because of what he has done? The answer is yes, but it's not just that, is it? Because I would submit that all of you would agree with this, this knowledge. You already know that Jesus is your Savior you already know that heaven is your home. You knew that before you walked in the sanctuary this morning. So if that is the extent of believing, then here's my question. Why are you here? I, I could save you the time. Don't bother showing up next Sunday. Stay at home, sleep in, go to brunch, do something else. If belief is just a matter of knowing Jesus is your Savior, believing that, and, and believing that heaven is your home, then why do you keep coming? Because belief is knowledge applied, isn't it? It's those things, yes, but it's not just those things. When we talk about belief, let's look very clearly and specifically at what Jesus longs for through your belief, through your faith in him. And now we have to go back uh, a verse or two earlier to verse 27. And this is why Jesus says your belief is so important, to learn this truth. In verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I suspect that everyone here this morning has heard that verse. That everybody here knows that truth. That Jesus gave to his disciples, learners, peace. And not just any peace, but as he clarified, my peace. 
But if it's merely enough to, to know about that peace, then I think we're missing the whole point of learning. Jesus didn't leave that peace, didn't give that peace to his disciples simply so that they could know that they were at peace, but so that they could live in that peace. When Jesus clarifies that it's my peace that I give to them, Jesus is saying this is unlike anything else. This is otherworldly peace. Because it's our sin that smashed to pieces our relationship with God. But, but Jesus' peace wasn't just a matter of taking all of those pieces and gluing them back together to leave us wondering when the next time our sin is going to ruin that relationship again. No. The peace that Jesus gives to us is the peace of knowing that He has restored and reconciled us to God not just by repairing an old broken relationship, by making an entirely new one based on grace. His grace toward us. His grace-filled life of obedience. His grace-filled death. His grace-filled resurrection. And that amount of grace, dear friends, means that, that no sin, wretched as it might be, that you or I could ever commit will ever invalidate that grace. Your sin, my sin, will always be covered by grace. Always be smothered by grace. It doesn't stand a chance against the grace that God lavishes upon us. That is the peace that He offers of, of knowing that, of being certain of that. So, why don't we feel at peace so often in our lives? If Jesus says that that is where our relationship, our status before him stands, that he promises this peace, why is my life so often devoid of this peace? Notice what Jesus said after he promised this peace to his disciples, his learners. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do you notice that he's the one responsible for giving us peace? But if we're not living in that peace, if we aren't feeling at peace, it's not because the peace isn't there. Notice that Jesus says to us, to you, to me, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So when we are robbed of that peace, it is because we are letting our hearts be troubled. We are letting ourselves be afraid. Why does that happen? It happens because when in anxiety and worry and trouble and in distress, we look at all of those things. We focus our attention and our hearts on the trouble and the worry and the anxiety and the stress instead of peace and the one who gives it to us and the one who promises it to us. And I guarantee you that, that probably one of the simplest and yet most profound changes that you can make in your life is to spend less time focusing on everything that you are worried about and more time on the one who promised you that he gives you and puts you at peace with the Father. Because the more you are wrapped up and embraced in that peace that comes by the grace of God, Sorry, but this world's cares and worries and concerns, they just don't matter. They don't trouble our hearts as much when we realize the peace that exists between God and men because of Jesus. 
That's why faith learns, because we realize it's a lifelong process of growing in our ability to focus less on the worries and the cares and the concerns of this world and more on the peace that Jesus gives to us. So, dear friends, let's live in faith over fear, and let's realize that that means exercising a faith that learns. Amen.